0: Hello and welcome to the Divine Discovery Podcast. I am your host, Deja, and I am here to share about all things holistic health, well-being, conscious movement, mindset, manifesting, spirituality, self-confidence, and soulful business so you can transform into the best version of yourself, bring your dreams into reality, and discover your divinity. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Awesome. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Divine Discovery Podcast. On today's episode, I'm really, really excited because I actually have the beautiful Sherelle Grant here with me today. And I've been following Sherelle for a while now. She's actually, I started doing her program in 2021. (laughs) She's been the first, I guess, fitness influencer who's actually helped me to up level with my skill set in the gym, my confidence, and also just like with women's health in general. She's absolutely incredible. She's an entrepreneur. She just launched her app with the women's health movement as well, which is absolutely incredible as well. Um, I don't want to butcher your intro. So did (laughs) you want to just tell like the listeners who are listening to this episode, just a little bit more about you, your backstory, as I know you'd be like, you were a nurse as well and how you kind of got into the industry. Yeah!
1: Wow! Thanks so much for the uh, such a wholesome, um, I guess, intro. It's really glad, great, and it's finally uh, so nice to be able to connect with you um, in person as well. So thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited just to be able to share a little bit about my story and hopefully uh, give some value to your listeners as well. Um, so yeah, where do I start? Like a little bit about me, I guess. Um, So I grew up in a really small country town and I had no intentions of getting into like coaching or business or personal training or anything really when I was growing up. I actually moved away from home um, and moved to uh, Ballarat to study nursing. And that was like, I guess, my intro into health. Uh, And it's very different, like healthcare versus the health and fitness industry, but That was like my first introduction into like that lifestyle and like really looking after your body. Um, I was definitely like more of a party girl in my early years of uni. So it took me a couple of years to really warm into this lifestyle that I'm now living. But going through nursing, like I've always loved the human body. I've always been fascinated by women's health um, in general. And going through like my nursing career, I actually moved into midwifery. So I went back to uni and studied um, midwifery, which for those that aren't in Australia, that's basically um, you know caring for women um, up until they give birth through labor and then in the first couple of weeks um, postnatally as well so I became really curious into women's health because obviously women's health is so much more than just periods and giving birth um, and that was like my next layer of being like health and fitness is great, but like women's health is this whole other area. And I was almost embarrassed, like at uni learning stuff that in a postgraduate degree that I was like, I can't believe I'm like 22 and I don't know this stuff. So that was really eye-opening for me when I became a midwife, worked in women's health, um, moved to the city and worked in a really big, um, uh, like the biggest female women's hospital sorry in australia and that was just like where my perspective completely changed because one i was working in such a high stress environment um so i learned a lot about myself and just like managing stress shift work and all of those things as well but then two working with uh like gen pop and really learning i guess what women knew about their bodies and what they didn't And that to me is like most people, especially females, they're not aware of their own body and they don't start learning about women's health until they want to have a child. To be honest, that's like, we're like, what, pap smears or getting pregnant's not as easy as I thought, or like all these things. We really don't start to become curious until we start to have children. And then later that's happening so much later in our lives. Now it's not happening until our late twenties, early thirties, if that's the path that some people want to take. So That was for me was like, wow, like I can't believe I'm discovering all this stuff now. And then alongside this, I was also going through my own fitness journey um, as well, where I was like competing and, you know, I'd always loved training. And I just really started to combine, I guess, health with fitness um, on my own platforms and my own page and just in my own philosophy around coaching. So over time, my, I guess, passion for the fitness industry uh, really started to outgrow my love of midwifery, which for me was interesting because it's not like I didn't like healthcare or working in a hospital like it's not like I didn't like that aspect I just loved this aspect and I loved being able to take my own experience of what I was doing in fitness and then obviously becoming a personal trainer and competing and um, like working with clients I love to be able to create my own philosophy and really bring in I guess health with fitness and then combine women's health as well so that sort of led me um, in the snapshot to like where I am now to you know um, building the women's health movement and like creating a team around that Um, as you mentioned like creating a app and a platform to try and make this sort of knowledge and just good intelligent nutrition and training like accessible because it is so hard to come by as you mentioned like I was the same I've been through so many different things that just never aligned with me and looking back now I'm like of course it didn't align with me it was rubbish so yeah. being able to like make stuff more accessible make knowledge more digestible um, and more easily understood that's that's sort of where I am now so I hope that gives you somewhere to start from
0: oh absolutely and I love that you touched on your back in healthcare as well being a nurse like my mum was a nurse I was even looking into becoming a nurse it's such a big thing too because I wanted to help people but it essentially isn't into actually prevention it's just like okay what can we do now and I love as well that you have combined women's health with fitness too because that was something Mm -hmm. I never knew about especially growing up in like diet culture days like I the only I'd follow fitness influencers, influencers that would tell you to like restrict calories and you just have to do cardio. So I was actually very scared of weight training. And I tried to get into weight training, like through F45 and things like mm. that. But I kept getting injured. My form wasn't great. And literally like you were the first person that I came across. That. I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually understand it. And that's something you're really good at is like being able to simplify it mm. and make it tangible too. Like the amount of like improvement that I've done with my squats that I've been trying to work on for like (laughs) years has been absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, But I guess like from like the start of your journey, obviously going into like personal training, what really inspired you? I I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what really did inspire you to actually become a PT and start that process? What really drove you to start?
1: Mm. I think to be completely honest, it was probably just like a lot of I guess, pain and like unnecessary, um, like dodging between what I should be doing and what I could do like for my own journey. So I did get into fitness and training because like selfishly, I just loved it myself. Like I was very similar. Like once things started to click and I started to see my own progress, it's addictive. Like progress is really addictive in every area of our life. And I was like, oh my God, you know, it took me five years to be able to get to a stage where I was like, I know what I'm doing now. Like, this is really great. I understand principles. And once you understand principles, you know, you don't need people's methods or ways of doing things. You just need to know frameworks and then be able to put your own layer on it. So from the start, like when I was working as a nurse midwife, fitness had always been my outlet. So like after work, I would always just go to the gym. You know, it was like, as soon as I left those hospital doors, I was switched off and I was doing my own thing and working on myself. And that was probably, you know, the first area for me where I was actually really making progress, like outside of, I guess, like a Um, professional setting I would say like it was like personally I was making really good progress because you know I'm not like a you know I was always the kid pick last in sort of like school sports and those sort of things like I don't have an athletic background per se but fitness and uh, bodybuilding and competing and training was like the first thing that I was like I'm really good at this and I was good at it just because I had that beginner's mentality and I could you know I was willing to learn and I was you know reading bodybuilding.com on the couch after work and my partner would be like give it a rest I'm like but I love this so (laughs) you know having that little bit of like selfishness um, in me to be like I just really enjoy learning about all of this and then I think having the layers of you know my previous study and career as well gave me more context build on. Cause even some of those websites, like, well, does it make sense for the human body to function like that. So I could come to my own like conclusions and put my own layer on things. So once I really got that progress for myself and I was like, this is so awesome. I sort of, you know, I look in the fitness industry and even in comparison to the healthcare industry, it is so unregulated. There's just stuff everywhere. As you mentioned, it's all online. It's like, it's very different. And I was like, it's it's missing this, you know. It's like really missing this, and it doesn't have to be that hard. And you know, like I have a lot of friends. My mum like struggled with like I guess um like their own weight journey and their own fitness. And I just see people flogging themselves, as you said, like at f45 and just training harder and not getting the result, getting injured. And I really resonated because that was me for a long time. So I was like, oh, you know, the answer just seems so obvious now. I'm like, you just need to do it this way and do it like this and just be patient and consistent, and you'll get there. So I feel like my own um, like selfishness of just enjoying it then combined with seeing really good progress um, once I started doing things properly and then being able to give that sort of like solution to other people now and see the the glow up in them um, and not have to, you know, suffer as much. I think that's why everyone in the fitness industry really gets into it is because they want to help and they want others to be able to do things in a better, um, quicker, uh, more sustainable way. And that was definitely why I sort of got into the coaching space to begin with with
0: yeah and i love your like approach as well with sustainability and you don't have to work harder in the gym you don't have to do more because that was something i was conditioned to think too of like i i would do like 2 hours on the treadmill like 5 days to 6 days a week and then do all like do a hike that went for three hours on Sunday. Yes. <laughs> ridiculous. And I wasn't getting anywhere. Plus, I wasn't mm-hmm. eating enough as well. Um, so yeah, I love your sustainability approach with it too. Um, obviously, as well, going coming from like a competing background, mm-hmm. what would you say that like are the kind of drawbacks and the benefits that you kind of got from that experience while competing?
1: Yeah, great question. So like throughout one of the first entry points, I guess, for me was competing. Like I started out competing in bodybuilding, which sounds quite opposite to what we've been speaking about. But um, there was like always two parts of me, right? It was like this this love of like, having a really strong structure and following a plan and really being able to enjoy a process to get to an outcome. Um, And I definitely still have that. But that's what I loved about competing. Like when I first started that, Um, sort of journey and chapter you know I sort of did it all myself because I was like loved getting out the spreadsheets and mapping out macro and meso phases and really getting nitty-gritty with it and then periodizing my nutrition and all of that so I think I learned from doing that like how important that is right that you can't just keep working harder and harder and harder and expect a better result and I tried that at the start um, and I got a good result but then everything just started you know diminishing returns it's like oh okay there's more to it you know, recovery is really important. Sleep is really important. Nutrition is really important. So I just started to add those layers and become really curious. And whenever you go or do anything to the extreme, the little things matter. Like the big rocks are important and crucial, but the little things become more obvious. Like if you don't, you know, if you don't take your rest periods when you're deep into a prep and you're a couple of weeks out, you feel it like instantly on your training. Or if you have a refit, you have an extra 100 grams of carbs, you feel it instantly in your body. Whereas a lot of people probably don't notice those nuanced things. So I think it taught me a lot about like the difference between like, proper training periodization and really being curious about it especially when the stakes are so high um you know competing at a pro level you've got like i guess a standard and a reputation so it's like i'm not going to get on stage if i'm not making progress and if i'm going to look different so i learn a lot about that um in terms of just um, programming and structure and training and competing uh, but then I also learned a lot about myself in the process too so you know I really was able to like push the limits of what i thought was possible and looking back now I'm like I just can't even believe I lived like that especially when I was competing when I was nursing and working shift work so that was always something for me is like how much I learned about myself but then in the process I'm I'm really grateful for that chapter because it just shows it showed me and it allows me to speak from a place of experience as well and say like it's not all that it's cracked up to be like when I was my leanest um, I was probably my most insecure, you know, about myself. And I think, you know, I remember being incredibly dice before a show and being like, I don't feel any more confident. Like I don't feel any different about myself. And I think a lot of people look up to their icons in the industry. And you know, a lot of them have had competing backgrounds. So people by association go, oh, well, that must be because of that. It's just not, especially in this day and age. I think um, you know, a lot of people are are really shifting in the fitness industry of what they look up to and what they aspire to be and the lifestyle that they want. So I learn a lot about the realities of the fitness industry um by living both sides. You know, it wasn't my job to compete it wasn't something that relied my business didn't rely on it because I didn't have a business I just did it for the like the love and the enjoyment so the pressure wasn't that high in a sense and therefore I was so transparent and authentic the whole way through because I just didn't care you know I didn't have like a reputation per se from a business perspective and I think a lot of people have that these days so Mm. there was a lot of pros that I learned about myself but there's also a lot of cons that you can't really grasp unless you really do it like and I. I know that a lot of people are really transparent and honest about some of the negatives that come from it, um, especially when it comes to like, I guess, the females in the space as well. It's like a whole nother layer of complexity there. But yeah, there was, there's a lot of things that I look at now and I'm like, it's definitely not sustainable. It's not the epitome of health. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm sort of glad that I've moved past now. Um, but I'm also grateful for the lessons that I took from it.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that you can reflect on both too, because you know how there's some people that come out of it that they're either like, one way or the other. So I love that you kind of got like a balance too, that you can give that perspective to Mm. those women who are either in in that space right now or have been through it and are kind of coming out of it. So you can really support them as well. Um, Let's touch on it too, because you said like uh, when you were the most like leanest yourself that you didn't feel more confident. And I know this is something that on your platform that you talk about a lot is within like body confidence and self-confidence that it doesn't happen like externally, it happens internally. Mm. And I teach this as well and I'm all about it. What would be like like your best tips or advice or even like what you experienced yourself when it came to building that actual real like self-confidence, not like faking it till you make it like the real self-confidence? Yeah, good
1: question. I mean, it's something I think about a lot because it is a huge problem. And I don't, I don't want to be sexist or anything, but it is with women in particular. I feel like a lot of women struggle with this like internal dialogue and this like confidence and this like place of like self worth. And I, I do think that you have to like anchor your worth to more than what you externally look like. And I'm biased and really big on using like training and just like your health and fitness for using this as a tool. Because for me personally, like when I started going to the gym and like, looking um like looking after my my health and my recovery and my sleep and um, respecting downtime and and prioritizing food quality and what i put into my body and what i do with my body and really like treating and respecting um my body i started to build confidence from that and like build self worth and self esteem and i think they're so entwined together and you know there's so many different layers but we have to like first respect our body before we can have confidence in it like and a lot of people abuse their body in different ways you know like I used to abuse my body with like alcohol on the weekends or every weekend so it starts with like the simple layers of like how are you fueling your body like how are you moving your body how are you talking to your body like it starts with that like respect you can't you have to respect your body before you can expect the inside to really show confidence and I also want to say like confidence building confidence it's like it's a journey. It's not like you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden you are. So it's okay if you're at the start of your journey and you aren't confident, like it's, it's okay. I think there's so much um, like out or positive that comes from just being transparent and owning that. And I think a lot more people would be able to progress along that journey. If they just, instead of saying, oh, I'm confident, because a lot of people show up and they do that, they wear this persona and they try and fake it. Uh, as you mentioned, But doing that, they're going to actually fuel that insecurity inside them because they're just not going to feel authentic. So, you know, for me, I think just being able to show it and not like, you know, not putting the Paris filter on and being okay with not wearing makeup and just showing and stretching and feeling a little bit uncomfortable and being a bit vulnerable. I'm like, oh, like people actually like this. They respect it because we feel insecure from a place of not fitting in, you know? And that's usually where it comes from. It's like, I don't feel worthy. I'm not fitting in with my peers, such and such thinks I look ugly or whatever it might be. So when we can like detach that and be like, number one, I respect my body and I would never speak to myself in a negative way. And I'm so big on that. Um, and I'm very comfortable with pulling people up. It triggers me when people are like, so negative about their body. I'm like, don't speak to yourself like that. You know, it starts with those foundations of just respect. Um, and then it's a journey. You know, we all we all have a different journey. And as I mentioned, mine's definitely been through fitness, but it's not that case for everyone. Because I know that confidence doesn't just show up in like body image. It shows up for other people in like being a good parent or being a good partner or, you know, being being respected at work in a lot of different ways. So what confidence in one area is going to ripple out. Um, and I do think that if we can work on confidence with ourselves. It's going to show up in how you show up at work or or how you reflect yourself or how you show up in your relationships. So that's been my experience. And, you know, my best piece of advice would be like, start with yourself and just start with like the foundations of like, how can you show respect to yourself? How can you build um, self-worth and how can you develop self-esteem? Because confidence is sort of like above that. You know, confidence is an aura. You don't tell people that you're confident. You just are confident. And I think those pillars underneath are really important to set that foundation. 100%.
0: 100%. I love that you t- touch on as well that it ripples into every kind of area of your life too, because how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? So it does ripple into those other aspects. um Can we also touch on too, like, because I know I was definitely this person who was so scared, especially as a woman, to step into the weights room. And it's taken me a while. Now I'm actually at the point now, after three years of tra- like training consistently, I'm at the point now I'm like, I can go in there confident I don't care who's there and I'll go like to a bench like and be able to go there and do my thing whereas before I was so intimidated by going there didn't feel like I was meant to be there or someone was going to say something or to like critique my form or something like that in the, obviously if they were helping too but mm-hmm. what would be Your number one tip for someone who is a woman who's so scared of like stepping into that space, like what would be the best way for her to even just start to start picking up the weights and start to step into the the weight section at the gym?
1: Yeah, really good. Like I sort of have this conversation a little bit like working with clients. I totally understand that it's not, you know, the gym can be an intimidating place and not just for beginners as well. There's a lot of people that are quite advanced that have been training for a long time that mm-hmm. they still feel insecure and, and, you know, get triggered even if they have a couple of weeks off or going to a new gym or they don't realize that that's still there, Um, that they're just actually comfortable in the current environment. So my first, I guess, always my first recommendation is like, choose your environment, you know, and I know it's like, there's a lot of different types of gyms and a lot of different types of spaces. And we all start as a beginner, we all start feeling that way. Um, And I distinctly remember being like, I'm just going to go to group fitness and go to the back you know, yeah. like that we all start doing that. I'm not going to, um, you know, I remember my mum being like, go to the front because if you're doing something wrong, the instructor will tell you. And I was like, oh, wow. Right. Like to be, to improve, I have to be seen. <laughs> um, And that's really important for every area. Right. Like, as you mentioned, people might be able to help you along the way. So choosing yeah. your environment to start with is really important. Um, Like if you're, if you're feeling a little bit timid, like don't go to the bodybuilding gym down the road, you know, maybe go to an all female center or a lot of gyms actually have women's rooms now. And if that's where you To start, that is so fine. Like, use it as a stepping stone. So, starting and by picking your environment, um, is going to be super helpful and then I think what that allows you to do if you can just feel safe enough to actually go to the gym and, and try things out you'll realize really quickly that no one's there to judge you and I think that's really important because we catastrophize in our head it's like what is such and such there's something about this or that or she's looking at me it's like no one's looking at you like absolutely no one and you have to experience that for yourself like I take my big Sony a7 a microphone and talk into it and still no one looks at me so it's about realizing that like everyone's there to work on themselves and like everyone's being selfish, like including yourself and that's okay. So, you know, don't feed into that energy or even worry about it because no one else is worrying about you. That's just the first piece. But the second piece, I think, I think um, having a plan and knowing what you're about to do is really important when you go there, because if you don't know what you're doing, um, if you're uncertain about some of the movements or, you know, you're just going in there and winging it, of course, you're going to feel uncomfortable because you're just not sure. And then when that's taken, you're like, oh, what do I do now? And our nervous system just goes into this freeze response where we do nothing or we leave or we just walk on the treadmill. So it's about having a little bit of a plan. And, you know, when I was first starting, I would like um, this is before apps and all that sort of stuff. I would just write down my workout on a piece of paper and I'd look up on YouTube, some of the techniques and demos if I needed to, and then go to the gym and I would know, okay, well, the leg press is taken. I'm going to do a back squat. Or if, you know, the squat racks taken, I'm going to do a goblet squat. Like I would have in my mind already a what if scenario, because when we're uncomfortable and, you know, we're uncertain or a little bit timid, it's usually because we don't know what we're doing and we can mitigate that. Like you're not going to be advanced at the start, but you shouldn't expect to be either. You can just have like alternatives along the way. So choosing like your environment and being really um, strategic with that, um, just so you can feel safe enough to get there is going to help you disprove those beliefs that everyone's there to judge you, et cetera, because they're just not. And then the second piece is just having a plan um, to to go with once you get there. So you don't feel like you've got to make stuff up on the spot.
0: Yeah, and honestly, that's been the best game changer over the past few years. That's actually given me results too because I'm mm. consistent with the training. It's, and it's also more affordable like doing your app because I was hiring a PT before that like, in-person PT, mm. which was great at the time. However, I do feel like you have literally got you as my PT on my phone in the gym with me. <laughs> so it's so incredible. And just like how you have like the video tutorials in there, I know exactly what to do. And I don't have to yeah. think and I literally just go, and it flows really well and tends to go quicker too, that I'm not just sitting there like, okay, what do I do next? And <laughs> like yeah. freaking out and then just walking out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess too, like what what do you believe are some of the like, the three key components that women don't know about or maybe even like miss completely when it comes to their training out of maybe even just not knowing? Mm.
1: Yeah, so we've touched on a couple of them, but the first thing is um, like I think how much work they feel like they should be doing versus how much they need to be doing. Um, And this sort of ties in with like the sort of training intensity one that I was going to um, speak to as well. But I think, often as women, we're told to move more, eat less and, and, you know, just do high rep toning workouts and just do a lot of work um, Mm -hmm. rather than a lot of efficient work. So what this makes us do is just feel like we're just going to go in and burn a heap of calories and do heaps of sets and heaps of reps. And, you know, this is like counterintuitive to being able to actually build muscle. So I think um, one of my, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like less is more is like, if I couldn't get a tattoo, it would be that because it's like something I just live by in every area of my life. It's like, Why? Why just do more for the sake of doing more, you know? And even as a client like myself, I am so motivated by knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing, and that actually fuels a lot of like everything that I do. Like, there's always a reason, there's always a rationale that I'm always going to explain. Because even as a client, I've been told to do something and being like, why? And it's like, oh, it's what we do. And I'm like, not good enough. My brain's going to like say that that's a waste of my time, right? And I feel like a lot of people approach training in that way. They're like, oh, just do this exercise. I'm like, why are you doing? exercise. Do you know what I mean? Like what is the point? And then that comes down to programming. It's like, well, if you're doing that exercise for that reason, you've got that in there again, do you really need it? You know, probably not. So you can just cut that out. And you know, that governs a lot of my programming. A lot of my decision-making as coaches is that you probably don't have to do as much sheer work as what you think to get the result that you want. And often, especially women, we are just like hard workers. You like, we have a relentless work ethic for a lot of us, especially when it comes to like physical health and training and gym and exercise and nutrition, we will just outwork a lot of our our male counterparts. Um, So we have to acknowledge that sometimes that can be our handbrake for a lot of other things. And we have to learn how to train smarter, not necessarily harder. But then that sort of goes to what um, I was going to say next is probably the second thing would be like training intensity. And they both go hand in hand because if we're doing so much work, so many group fitness classes, going to the gym six days a week, you know, fifteen thousand steps. We're doing all this volume. Of course, the quality of that work is going to diminish a little bit, and not be optimal. So we have to like, you can't have both. Like, quality and quantity are just on this pendulum, and we have to find like the Goldilocks zone um, to make sure that you can get y- the results that you're after. So I think the amount of work that you need is usually less than what you think, but the quality of that work is higher than probably what you're doing. Um, and I know that might sound a little bit like um, like counterintuitive or complicated, but it's not. It's like reduce the amount that you doing. So the quality of that work can go up because I would rather people have three efficient high-quality training sessions than six rubbish ones. Because a lot of people just turn their weightlifting sessions into cardio sessions, they're not really pushing themselves, they're not making improvements on technique, they're doing exercises that are just off Instagram and not actually quality movements aligned with their goals. So there's just a lot of confusion in that. And I think um you know, even from like a coaching perspective, often we have to like pull back a lot of what they're doing and give them time so their body can recover. They can start learning how to train with intensity. And then that just grows over a period of time. So those are the pieces with training that comes up for me, um, especially when it comes to like the fitness industry and marketing for women, because it's still very backwards. Like still, yes, we have different components, but we don't need to train completely different to men just because we're female. Like we're still got muscles, bones and we still need the main movement patterns. So I think just the whole approach to how women train and like what we've been sold and fed for the last like 10 years um, has put us in this position where we just feel like we're just going to keep doing more
0: and more. Yes. I love that. That is oh, just perfect. Perfect. Um, last sort of question before I give you three, five questions and we start to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, how, going back to you of like, how do you really balance your own fitness goals and your self-care needs with obviously like the demands of running a mm-hmm. highly successful business. And also while having a large social media following, also having your podcast with Level Up with Cheryl and Danny, you have your habitual self like book there, which I'm sure is like running in the background, but like, how do you actually balance it all and make sure that you also still like put your own fitness goals first and your own self-care
1: I'm still figuring it out to be completely honest (laughs) I think um you know when I was working as like a nurse midwife it was easy to walk out and leave work at work and I used to watch the hospital doors shut and that was like my analogy of like hand it over, not my problem. You know, like I'm moving I'm going to the gym. Right. And now going into business, it's just such a different type of stressor that you carry with you all the time. Um, you're always accessible. You're always online. It's part of having an online business. There's always work to be done. So uh, it definitely took me a period of time. And I think like the women's health movement's only 18 months old. So we're, we're still pretty young um, in that sense. So we're still setting up. Um, but I've really changed my thoughts on balance, like over the last couple of years. I used to think like, oh, you know, balance have balance now I'm like there is no balance it's just everything happens in seasons you know and we've just gone through like an incredibly tense season um, with a lot of work and I think when you when you take something on like stress is stress on the body um, whether it's like in the gym or um, stress from work or stress in relationships it still has a toll so for me it's definitely been pulling back some of the other areas that I used to prioritize like my training Um, still getting it done but just like lowering the expectations of myself and being like you're probably not going to be able to hit pbs every week like lower the expectations reduce some of the friction maybe outsource some of your meal prep and just like lighten the load um, so that you can give more into into this aspect too so definitely a lot of like you know just understanding and being compassionate with myself but then also boundaries are like really important to me especially when it comes around like social media um how much i say yes to like I almost say no to everything and then convince myself why I should do it now because, you know, the more that you grow, the more opportunities you get. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, how good, yes. And they say yes before they think without thinking, well, what's the ripple effect, you know, and where should my energy be spent? So I'm in business with my partner and he's like my prefrontal cortex and like sort of manages a lot of the schedules and the emails and things like that because there just gets to a point where it's like, you can't be a yes man and you have to prioritize your energy, not your time. Um, And I've really learned how to do that, I guess over the last six months, but still a work in progress. But I think just being as scheduled as I can and as disciplined with my time as I can. um, And then also only saying yes to like opportunities that are really itching. And if I do say yes, it means I'm saying no to something else. So if I want to do something extra, it's like, well, what's coming off? So really understanding that balance of like time and energy sort of helped me um, you know get the most out of what I can
0: yeah I love that and that's a, honestly something I'm actually dealing with at the moment and working on is being able to like okay I need to say yes when it's like fuck yes and no when it's like okay just because I've always yep. been a yes man because i have like I don't want to let anyone down and I'm like oh mm-hmm. there's this and this and this and this but yeah you need to obviously make sure especially when you're in business especially when you have a large social media follow- following and you start to grow yourself like having those there's- Place. and I think that's really refreshing too to talk about like the seasons too because it takes the pressure off actually being like oh everything needs to be balanced mm-hmm. like my relationship like this and social life and all of that when it's just in fact like I'm just in a different season right now and it really yeah. does take the pressure off too yeah, yeah absolutely um, yeah so to finish up this episode it's been absolutely incredible it's, oh thank you so much for coming on I'm just going to give you three fire questions that just literally first thing that comes to mind yeah, sure. Ready? Okay. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Got the pressure on. Okay. Um, what are your top three values? um top three values first one's very cliche
1: but it would just have to be health um I think it's been something that's you know been the backbone of um you know my whole sort of career both in nursing and then and then now I'm always like health is the person from a holistic point of view is something that not only I coach but I live with as well it's like I'm always going to practice what I preach and focus and prioritize on my um overall health The second thing I would probably say uh, as well, and probably still very cliche, would just be education. Um, As I've mentioned, it's going to be like a core pillar of me and the women's health movement. We're not just like a brand to look good. Um, We're a brand to sort of help educate uh, women and sort of be able to give them better ways of doing things. Um, And, you know, as I learn, I teach. So I love being able to do that. I don't have all the answers, but I'm more than comfortable of sharing my current level of knowledge with those people around me. And then probably the last one from more of a personal point of view would just be like authenticity. And I know that word is just like butchered everywhere, but I actually get so much um, like calm from being authentic because it removes this like armor of having to be perfect or like an expert or whatever it might be, because I think sometimes we can put that pressure on ourselves. And sometimes I'm just like, just, you know, be authentic, be yourself, show up as you are. That's enough. Um, All of those things just helps me move forward because it's easy for me to get paralyzed sometimes with like, oh, there's so much to do or the stakes feel high here or there's a lot of pressure here. So just being authentic and like even when I launched the app, I was like, guys, I'm so nervous. Like I just couldn't show up in any other way and doing, showing up in a different way would just be really inauthentic and uncomfortable for me to just be like, yeah this has been so easy. Like, don't worry about it. It's been so easy being like, I just slept on it, woke up like this. It's just never like that. And I think if we can just authentically live through that, um, it just uh, takes the weight off us and it just humanizes us and it gives us permission to like fail forward and make
0: mistakes. Yes, I love that. I love that so much. Okay, next one. What's the best pe- piece of advice you've ever received? Um,
1: a really good mentor once said to me, what triggers you teaches you. And um, I think ever since she said that to me, it just like, it always comes up for me whenever I feel like disappointed or angry or insecure or anything, any emotion show up. I'm like, Oh, what's this teaching me? Like what work did I think I had attended to that clearly still has some, some scars there. And you know, I think that's really important because we're always going to get triggered. And like, even online, like, I um, i don't even know. Sometimes I trigger people I don't even mean to, but I'm like, oh, like, you know, And I, you've got to learn to like what you need to take on board and what you don't, because everyone gets triggered and it's usually got nothing to do with you. And the same on the opposite side of the fence. Like if you're getting triggered, like being curious about why, what's this teaching me? Like, why am I triggered and doing that U-turn? Um, that was really good advice. And I sort of take that with me whenever I notice like emotions come up for myself.
0: Yes, leaning into your triggers instead of pushing it away—that's mm. where you learn and grow. Um, last one is: what's the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Worst piece of advice that I've ever
1: received—I
0: don't know if this was a piece of advice, but it's definitely been
1: ingrained in me—is to like always be data-driven. Um, I think you know, and that—that's really important. Don't get me wrong; I think going off the numbers and the facts, like from a professional sense, always been led into me. And then even from a business sense, I would say, but more recently, um, I've really learned to, I've really learned that I don't need data to justify my intuition. Like if I'm feeling something, um, and it's a gut feeling, like I should go with it because I've ignored like quite a few red flags in the past or just, decisions that I should have made a long time ago or ripping the band or moving forward um, just because my intuition was telling me or like our wisdom right because I think intuition and gut feelings is like a bit woo-woo for some people uh, to understand but I just think in a in a fast moving industry especially in business especially when you're working with people like we should be able to use our gut feelings and our intuition just like data um, and that's definitely something that I've learned over the last six months in hindsight looking back being like should have made that move ages ago or I actually missed that opportunity because I didn't grab that when it was there or that person was a red flag and I ignored it because I justified it with some other decision so for me gut feelings is something that I'm like no I've got a good gut feeling about this and you know the people around me or our team will just be like okay we move forward you know we've got to learn to trust these things because I would rather be wrong than have been in that position again being like I should have listened to that so that's something I've definitely learned recently
0: Yeah. And a lot of the time, too, your intuition can sometimes trump logic. So sometimes you can be in your head and it seems all logical to go Mm -hmm. that way, but then it's something inside of you is just like screaming hell no. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. It's been an incredible conversation. I know I've wanted to have you. This is like a manifestation moment for me, (laughs) (laughs) you on here. So it's been so incredible. Um, for those who are listening, who want more of you, want to like follow you on social media, want to join your program, like just soak up more of you. Can you just share where you they can find you, what you've got going on at the moment?
1: Yeah, so um, there's only one of me on most social media platforms. So just Sherelle Grant on like everything, to be honest, um, mostly active on Instagram, I would say. Um, and then if you are looking at anything that we do or how you can work with the women's health movement, it's just the women's health movement, um, com, or you can, of course, find
0: find us on um, Instagram as well. Yeah, perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes for you guys as well. So you can literally go straight to her. Um, but thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure. and yeah, I'll leave it there. Thanks, Thanks. for having me Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it served you today. And I hope you got some delicious value from it. And if you did love it, please share this on your socials and make sure to tag me at the divine underscore discovery and connect with me further on there. I always love to receive messages and I would love to hear your takeaways from either one of these episodes on the podcast. And make sure you check the show notes below to make sure you don't miss out on any links for what we spoke about in this episode and also for any other links to find out more information about how to work with me, my services and my offerings. Have a beautiful divine day, lovelies.